and welcome to the Fox Hunt, Vixens by the Numbers, your once a week, let's be honest, nerdy deep dive into all the numbers that matter to Super Netball side, the Melbourne Vixens. The Fox Hunt is brought to you by Deakin, home to the world's number one sports science school. I'm Erin Dullahunty, a freelance netball journalist. I'd like to start by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which I'm on today. I'm coming to you from Echuca in Victoria, the lands of the Yorta Yorta people. I pay my respects to their elders past and present. If you're here at Round 8, I'm sure you know what this podcast is all about. Blending the feel of what happens on the Super Netball Court with the cold, hard statistics. And to analyse every Melbourne Vixens game this season, I'm joined by Dr Aaron Fox from Deakin. Aaron is a lecturer in Applied Sports Science and Research Methods and is a sports data and visualisations expert. To dissect the Melbourne Vixens' sixth win of the season over the Queensland Firebirds, 66-64, here's Aaron, who's coming to us from Wadawurrung land. Welcome, Aaron. Now, you were courtside again this week. Was it a bit less scary this time? Mm, yeah, I mean, I don't think I used the word scary last week, but yes, this match, perhaps match of the season so far, was a great one to be out live. And I think we really just need to dispense with the pleasantries this week and jump right in, Erin, because there's so much happening in this match that we're going to have to work pretty hard to squeeze into our 20-minute time frame. I completely agree, and let's hope that my voice holds out as well. So let's get into it. After a 10-goal loss to Collingwood in the Derby last week, the Vixens, with Di Honey in the head coach chair because Simone McInnes was out through COVID protocols, clinched a nail-biting come-from-behind, all those cliches, Aaron, uh, win against Firebirds at John Kane Arena, winning, as we mentioned, by two goals. The victory on Saturday saw the Melburnians reclaim top position on the Super Nepal ladder, which West Coast Fever promptly took straight back on Sunday with their win over Collingwood. Now, down for most of the game, the Vixens managed to dig deep in the final term to overrun the Firebirds, thanks to some huge defensive wins and some super shooting from uh, Mike and Wender, who, who only missed two goals after halftime. Several midcourt switches proved pivotal too, I think, Aaron. What were the key numbers that stood out to you? Yeah, well, the Vixens really picked things back up this week in a key statistic that's been inherently linked to their success this year and that was the gain to goal percentage uh, which was at 100% versus 60% of the Firebirds meaning they were much more successful in converting those forced turnovers into scoring opportunities and I mean we've banged on about this uh, scoring off gain statistic this year um, and it was really nice to hear in an interview Liz Watson gave to a small group of fans after the game that this has been a key part of their team's game plan and what they're focusing on this year. Yeah, that was really thrilled to hear that from you, uh, that we might actually know what we're talking about, Aaron. Yeah, like uh, it, it was it was very affirming to hear them say that. And so we'll, we'll keep an eye on that as the year goes on. Um, and something else that's interesting to see was both teams recorded a lot of misses. And sometimes this can have a really big impact on the game. The Vixens had 13 and the Firebirds 11 with shooting percentages in the low 80s for both teams. Um, but it didn't really seem to decide the match, perhaps because both teams had those misses, but more so neither took advantage in the defensive rebound stats with only four for the Vixens and three for the Firebirds. And so it could have been a bit of a different story if one team streaked ahead in this category uh, by pulling down a few more defensive rebounds. Um, and as you sort of highlighted there, as far as individual performances go, hard to go past Kumwenda, who in her own under-the-radar style 
notched up her first 50-plus goal game for the season. Uh, and now I'm keen to hear about how you saw the two different halves as there were some real statistical discrepancies between the two. Yeah, it definitely felt that way watching on TV. I mean, it was... The Firebirds were so good in, in that first half. But I think after halftime, one thing I noticed, you know, for example, the Firebirds didn't take a single rebound after halftime despite five missed shots. And when I say when I say a rebound, I mean defensively. Obviously, they got a few offensive ones, but defensively they didn't get any. And then also the Firebirds' shooting accuracy certainly sort of dropped off compared to the first half, I thought. We saw a few little turnovers and a few mistakes in that attack end. So that, that game of, of two halves definitely stood out to me. Do the stats sort of back that up as well? Mm, absolutely. Like it was... A game of two halves, and you often see teams switching um, between the, their play style across the two halves, but the key thing that jumped out statistically here was that everything kind of shifted towards the Vixens in the second half. So scoring was 36 to 30 for the Firebirds in the first half, and then it was 32 to 24 for the Vixens in the second half. The Vixens had their four gains in the first half, up to seven in the second half, and then you look at the Firebirds' penalties. They went from 26 in the first half up to 36 in the second half. And this also extended to key players in the match. You look at Liz Watson's turnovers uh, across the whole game. She had seven, but five of those were in the first half, and this got down to two in the second half, so really cleaned up there. And Donald Wallum, 28 goals in the first half, down to 21 in the second half. Yeah, it did feel like things just were gently turning the Vixens' way. And I think, I mean, you were there in person, but even the crowd, you'd sort of feel like they could feel that momentum as well was was happening. So let's have a look at one of the big talking points to come out of the game. And that was the midcourt changes that Di Honey made in the second and third quarters. She pulled wing defence Kate Eddy off, who of course is coming back from COVID and replaced her with Kate Maloney, who we know has played uh, wing defence throughout her career, but we don't see her there all that often now. And then Maloney was replaced by Liz Watson, who went to centre That proved a really key move in shutting down Firebirds wing attack Lara Dunkley, herself a Victorian. Uh, And that move also saw Hannah Mundy go to wing attack. So it really was a bit of a bibs in the air moment for Die Honey. But when I say bibs in the air, it was very strategically done because Dunkley really was um, proving difficult to shut down. And then in the third quarter, we saw a further sort of reshuffle, which is where Watson went back to wing attack and Hannah Mundy went to centre, which I actually thought was the key change. I mean, Hannah Mundy has all those games from last year under her belt now, and she really stood up there, I thought, in centre. We also saw some changes in the defence end as well, which proved uh, quite pivotal just watching. Can we see those changes in the stats, Aaron? Yeah, I reckon you're onto something there with Mundy and that that move at the end, which which I will get to in a little bit. But we'll we'll start at the top, and you know, whenever we're talking about broad lineup changes, I like to take a look at this plus minus statistic, which is basically the score differential between the teams when various lineups are on the court. And so the Vixens had their fairly standard starting lineup, um, but you know, Olivia Lewis came in at goalkeeper. There's been a bit of shift in that across the matches. And, and this lineup did start a little bit slow. And so they went down sort of minus five in that statistic to the Firebirds. Um, so it started off the game behind. Then we saw that first shift with Mundy to wing attack, Watson to centre and Maloney to wing defence. And this is where they started to stay mostly even with the Firebirds going minus one in that plus minus department. But this lineup was really only out there for a couple of minutes. 
And then we got into the second half where Mannix was injected into goalkeeper with that same sort of shifted midcourt. And this is where the Vixens started to get back on top, going plus two against the Firebirds for that plus minus stat. Mm. But as you kind of said, the best was saved till last where they had Watson switching back to wing attack, Mundy at centre, Maloney at wing defence and keeping Mannix at goalkeeper. And this is where they went plus six over the Firebirds and really got them over the line. Now, the exciting thing for the Vixens here is that we've talked about this keyword versatility um, in their lineups and talked about it at the attacking shooting circle end and talked about it at the defensive shooting circle end. And now they seem to have found this in the midcourt too. So could really be uh, some lineup headaches going their opposition's way as the year rounds out. Yeah, and going into the second round, I guess, where you're playing teams again, those teams do have a bit of intel on you on how they, they beat you or or how you beat them. So it does give Simone McInnes and Dihani a lot of options. Dare I say, it probably raises Kate Maloney's stocks in terms of diamond selection as well, showing Stacey Marinkovic I can play in this position too. Now, what happened with turnovers this week? Um, were Vixens back to their best with respect to that and and gains versus their opposition? Yeah, like the last two weeks we've, uh, you know, been a bit down talking about this, um, particularly turnovers that have been over 20 in the last two rounds. But the Vixens cleaned this back up this week where their total turnovers were sitting at 17. And this is actually their second lowest for the season. They uh, have only been lower with 15 in round four against the Fever. So, you know, perhaps indicating they can really clean it up when they come again, up against those other top four sides. They also recorded 11 gains for the match. And I think this is another benchmark statistic for them because they continue this run of having over 10 gains in every win and less than 10 in every loss. It's so fascinating how that stat correlates so directly to a win or a loss. Now, watching on TV, it seemed to be another really physical game. I think that's probably a theme for the league more broadly this year. Was that the case? Was it one of those heavily penalised games? You know, it definitely felt like that uh, watching it. Um, the Firebirds didn't get anywhere near the 91 penalties they racked up in round one against the Vixens. I don't think anyone's actually going to get close to that, um, given the way this game went. And still looking at the penalty count was 62 to the Firebirds, so much less. But the Vixens only recorded 47 themselves. So, again, a bit of a difference between the Vixens and their opponents in this area, which is pretty typical. And I mean, it felt like a similar physical approach the Firebirds defenders took to what the Magpies did last week, but the Vixens seemed much better at handling the pressure this time around. I think probably Collingwood was a good uh, dress rehearsal last week for the Tackers in particular. And speaking of um, speaking of that, last week we talked specifically about how the Vixens might you know, approach someone like a Ruby Bakewell Doran in defence and also Donnell Wallam down the other end. What do the numbers show us about those two players' respective games? It felt like the notorious RBD wasn't as clean as maybe she us- usually is. She seemed to, to spend a bit more time out of play and I think probably looked a tiny bit more frustrated than I think we've seen her too. Yeah, perhaps that stemmed from what I would say this could have been a bit of a mixed feeling sort of game for Dugwell Doran. Uh, she had her best game for the year game-wise with coming up with six gains against the Vixens and you could see she was generating those turnovers. But on the flip side, she recorded 13 contact penalties, which is the first time yeah. for the year she's had more than 10 of these. Mm-hmm. And it was a most highly penalised game with 16 total penalties. 
Uh, and again, this is the first time she's recorded more than 10. So, yeah. Wow. Kind of, so six more than what she generally puts in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, as a percentage increase, that's that's a big jump. Um, and at the other end, last week we highlighted Wallen's latest match where I believe she went off for 56 goals. And at halftime, she was right back on track for this. But the Vixens really clamped down in defence in the second half and actually held her to under 50 total goals, which you know, was a big turnaround from those first couple of quarters. Now, I don't think we've really touched on this before in the pod, but the score flow was really interesting in this match. Well, for a Vixens fan anyway, can you explain to us what that actually is, Aaron? Yeah, so when we talk about like the score flow um, within sport, it it's the way the scoring progresses in a match. And you often see this on TV presented visually as like a worm or this, this line that you know shifts with how the scoring goes. And an interesting sort of metric we can take from this is the proportion of a time a team is in front during the match. And yeah, I'd perhaps suggest any Firebirds fans who might be listening to us uh, to maybe <laughs> mute us for the next minute or so. Um, because, you know, if you look at this, you would, probably think the firebirds came out on top in the match like across the the entire match they were in front for about 56 and a half percent of the time versus the vixens at 30 percent and it perhaps gets worse for firebirds fans when we take a look at that second and third quarter where they really took control of the game uh, across those two quarters they were in front for 90 percent and the vixens only led for about two and a half percent across those middle quarters but when the game was on the line in that final corner, the Vixens took over and led for about 76% to the Firebirds, uh, a little under 5% with those remaining times accounted for ties. So a really big shift in in who was in front and how the scoring was going from those middle to the last quarter. Yeah, ouch. 90% of the time in two quarters when you flick over and have a look at the score, you would think you were you were in control. But I guess it speaks to the Vixens' ability to stick to a game plan and know that if they can uh, put out there what they're being asked to, they are they do have the ability to, pu- to pull that um, – the goal differential back in. So it really was as tight as it felt watching. Now, on Saturday, the Vixens face off with the Giants, who are coming off a loss in the New South Wales Derby at the weekend. Um, in their first meeting this year, the Vixens triumphed 64-52. I seem to recall that the Giants didn't make a single change to their lineup in that game, Aaron, but by comparison, Julie Fitzgerald made a lot at the weekend. We saw Amy Parmenta at uh, at centre. I felt like there was a tear in the times space continuum the defender in me just couldn't quite understand what was happening there for a moment what do you think the Vixens will be focused on ahead of this game with the Giants yeah you're right there there was a bit of lineup shuffling for the Giants on the weekend which has been somewhat uncharacteristic of the way they've played this year they made six lineup changes in this match which was the most for them this year but given the result I'm not sure they'll be going back to this strategy uh, in the Vixens match up because they're coming uh, back off arguably their worst performance of the year, particularly at the attacking end. They recorded their equal lowest scoring total for the year at 43, but this only included 38 successful shots when you take out those super shots. And like that number of made goals is almost the lowest we've ever seen across super netball um, over the years. I thought it was really interesting too. We saw three missed super shot attempts in the last quarter by the Giants. 
which mm. I can't remember the last time that has happened. So when the pressure came, Joe Harton had two opportunities that she missed and Sophie Dwyer missed one as well. So I think you're absolutely on that money to, to label this as arguably their worst um, attacking performance of the year. Yeah, and it was also their slowest paced game for the year, like um, as in the number of possessions they had. Uh, and the Vixens were the other team that was most successful at slowing down the Giants' attacking pace earlier in the year. Um, and the Giants' last match there was also the second highest number of turnovers that they've recorded this year. So I guess all the things that didn't go well for the Giants in this match in the last round have been what the Vixens' defence has excelled at during their wins. Mm. So I suspect they'll simply be focused on playing their natural game. Mm. Now, as I keep mentioning, we're super keen to get Vixens fans involved as much as we can in the podcast. If you've got a stat-related question or query, we'd really love to hear them. Do you want to know about a specific performance compared to an all-time record? Maybe you're wondering about which player is leading in a certain metric. Please let us know via your favourite social media platform by using the hashtag TheFoxHuntPod and we'll look to include them in this the Fox Answers the Fans segment. Now, today our first question is from Megan on Instagram. Hello to our Insta family. Now, Aaron, Megan wants to know which team causes the Vixens into making the most unforced errors, which I thought was a great question. Mm, excellent question. Um, and from what I could gather, these unforced turnovers have only been recorded for the most recent 2021 and 2022 seasons. So we don't have a huge data set to pull from, but there were still some interesting things to dissect with respect to which teams bring out this uncharacteristic messy play from the Vixens. And so in 2021, the three teams that caused the most unforced turnovers by the Vixens were the Magpies with 20, the Thunderbirds with 19, and the Fever with 18. And so far in 2022, the top three against them are the Swifts, uh, generating 17 unforced turnovers, the Thunderbirds with 16, and the Magpies with 15. So interestingly, the Magpies and Thunderbirds, maybe the, the teams you're not expecting up the top end of the ladder are the ones that could be troublesome for the Vixens with their unforced turnovers. Now, interestingly, in 2022 against the Fever, the Vixens only had eight unforced turnovers versus the two matches in 2021 where they had 18 and 17. Wow. So perhaps they've kind of figured out the Fever's defence. And also maybe it's, it tells us that the Vixens really set themselves for the game against the Fever, which, of course, we've got coming up in our next condensed round. We said the Vixens go to Perth for um, a midweek game next week. So now our next question is from Georgia Doyle on Twitter, who is interested in the game to goal conversion stat. She writes, according to champion data, and we've talked about this earlier, the Vixens had a hundred percent gain to goal conversion against the Firebirds at the weekend. Has this ever happened in Super Netball history, especially in a high gain game like this one, where, as you've talked about, Aaron, the Vixens had 11. Yeah. So this Gain to goal percent of 100% is really impressive given they had 11 gains. And I looked for matches with similar characteristics where teams had 10 or more gains and converted 100% of these to goals. And it is something that's only happened once every year in Super Netball history. So in 2018, the Magpies got 10 goals from 10 gains. They won this match. In 2019, the Swifts got 11 goals from 11 gains. They also won. In 2020, we saw the Vixens get 13 goals from 13 gains. Unsurprisingly, they won. And in 2021, <laughs> the Fever got 13 goals from 13 games. And I bet you can guess the result. 
And we've just seen for the first time in 2022 that this happened with the Vixen scoring 11 goals from 11 games, and we know that they just won. Now, you might have noticed that from this list, the Vixen's the only team to have yeah. achieved this twice over SSN years. So an, a nice little record for them to have. And one thing to just tack on here, I think it's important to distinguish between goals from gains versus goals from turnovers, because you might be thinking, as I certainly was, there were Firebirds turnovers, which the Vixens didn't score from over the weekend. Yes. But these would have been unforced turnovers as the gain to goal percentage focuses only on those ones deemed to have been forced by the defence. So that's where the difference sits with this statistic. Yeah, I think that's a really important distinction for people to understand when they're watching at home because you know you saw particular things happen and it didn't end up in a goal. It sort of bounced back uh, into the Firebirds. Now, that is a really nice record for the Vixens to hold, that 100% conversion rate. And as, as we've touched on already, the Vixens take on the Giants before heading over to Perth for a midweek game against the Fever. And they then have a home game against the Swifts next weekend. So I'm going to ask you for a performance p- prediction for the Giants game, Aaron. But let's first check how you went uh, last round. So for this Firebirds game, you suggested that we might see another 20-plus goal quarter from the Vixens this weekend, something the Vixens have only achieved twice this year against the high-scoring Fever and Firebirds when they first played in round one. You just missed it. Just. Mm, like I'm still going to hang my head in shame here, but I'm hopeful that I wasn't too far off. Uh, because the 17 goals the Vixens recorded across the second, third and fourth quarter in this match, it's their equal fourth highest quarter score for the season. And this is the only match so far where they've scored 17 plus in at least three quarters. So didn't quite reach that 20 mark that I was hoping for, but still one of the more highest scoring contests for the Vixens. Okay, so you're happy to take the spread of goals is what you're saying across yes. those quarters. I think okay. that's, that's maybe even better than just scoring Love it. one big 20 20 goal quarter love it i tend to agree so what have you got for me ahead of round nine aaron well as we kind of looked at the giants coming off a very lackluster attacking performance uh last round and now the vixens they're they're getting back with with respect to forcing those turnovers but they haven't recorded a game of 15 or more gains since their last matchup with the giants in round three so this is what i'm sort of looking for for happening this weekend that the Vixens are going to bring that high level of defensive pressure and get back to this number on the weekend. And I'm really going to stretch it with a bonus prediction here. I think they can be the first team to get that 100% gain to goal conversion percentage twice within the one season. So they're the two things I'll be looking for in this matchup. So they're going to do that this round against the Giants? Or are you giving yourself space Uh, to have any for the rest of the season? No, it's got to be this round. I reckon this is the one. Excellent. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. Well, thank you everyone for listening in. That's the show. Thanks again for joining us. Next week we'll have our usual review of the weekend's match, but we'll also take a look at the big game against Fever, which is next Tuesday night.